Like a wind that covers our land Strong enough to rule the heart of any man A thing called love It'll lift you up When a great shock hits us, we are traumatized. When we are traumatized, it's very difficult for us to see anything beyond the trauma. It's impossible to consider the future, and the present can only be compared to the past when things were much better. In the few sentences above, I could be describing the grief which is being suffered by so many people during the COVID-19 situation. There are many parallels but I am really describing the effect of Leo Healy's death on Sharon Shannon's world. Leo, Sharon's longtime partner, died very unexpectedly in his sleep on May 7th, 2008. He did have underlying health issues, but was fit and healthy before suffering a fatal heart attack in his sleep. I had just checked Sharon and the band into a hotel in Cork for a performance later that night, when the phone in my room rang, and it was Sharon, distressed beyond all belief, having heard of Leo's death from a friend. I told her to meet me in ten minutes in the lobby. In the meantime, I'd got hold of the promoter and cancelled the show and did all the necessary things as much as possible to let people know what had happened. The journey with Sharon to Galway was what I can only describe as surreal. This was Sharon's first encounter as an adult with the death of a loved one. I had already lost both parents and so told her of my own experiences, but there was very little I could offer other than sharing the feelings those experiences had engendered in me at the time. To a person in this much grief, words can rarely penetrate the protective bubble that our protective systems have created to stave off becoming completely unhinged when experiencing such trauma. Bereavement experts point to a series of phases of grief, not unlike the phases post-coronavirus lockdown, but it is generally acknowledged that these phases or segments of them can take place all at the same time, causing a cocktail of sorrow, denial, anger, depression for the person grieving. There is no simple and clear vaccine solution for this. All through the next few days over the funeral and burial, Sharon was expectedly distressed. She had tremendous support from family, friends and colleagues who all showed up to pay their respects and offer comfort to Sharon. All of this support was really appreciated by her, but what she really needed was the music that was played by friends, family and colleagues all during those days of the wake, the funeral, the burial and then into a second longer wake which followed the funeral. The scene at the graveyard was incredible as Leo was being buried with a group of musicians atop a mound of earth beside Leo's grave, leading the musicians and mass gathering into a version of many great songs. The music continued at Sharon's request into the week following the burial. She was, as she would say herself, in denial and in shock, and the presence of almost continuous music at her house was her saving grace and her sanity. As it came to the end of the week, I was concerned about what would happen next, Friends and musicians would eventually have to leave. In fact, some had already begun leaving. They were all incredibly generous with the time, but this wake could just not go on forever, and Sharon would somehow have to embrace a return to normal life. 
However, it was this music which was literally keeping her body and soul together. Kelvin Busher and Niall Teague, good friends of Sharon's and residents of Galway, were the mainstay of the music. They played and sang and backed other singers and musicians. The music was very spiritual in contact, in keeping with Kelvin and Niall's gospel, old-timey, Americana and generally uplifting music. Here is Kelvin Busher, Jack Maher and many others from Songs for Leo with Old Time Religion. conversation with Sharon, she said that because the music had been so comforting to her during the extended week of the wake, 
she would love to have a recording specifically of the music that was played around the house at the funeral mass and at the graveyard. And she suggested calling it songs for Leo. This was never meant to be a commercial release. She just wanted it as a huge source of comfort to her and even more that it would be an everlasting tribute to Leo and a private gift to comfort close family and friends. I knew from my own experiences with death and sudden death in particular that focus and work really helped. We hatched a plan to make an album of all that music that was played and sung by all those friends and colleagues. Sharon became animated when we were talking and this was the first sign of her actually looking to the future even if the future was only a few days hence. I realised that if we put a structure on the recording as if it were a commercial release including hiring musicians, tech staff, creating artwork and having a deadline that this would be very therapeutic for Sharon and would help her to eventually begin re-entry back to normal life. It was an organised way for her to have daily physical access to this music and equally important to have extended access to her very good friends who were making this music and it prolonged the very special and spiritual atmosphere that was present during this long extended wake. We decided to schedule the release to coincide with the month's mind mass for Leo which was in late June. This gave us a very tight schedule in that we only had three weeks to plan record, mix, master, design artwork and manufacture and print a hundred copies. The tight deadline gave the whole thing an impetus, focus and momentum and it had the dual effect of continuing the healing power of the music but integrating into a normal work schedule for Sharon. Once this was decided, Sharon got to work on choosing the participants and discussing the music with them while I put a recording plan in place and the schedule for the completion of the project. The album was to be recorded at Poets' Corner, the studio owned by Sharon at Killini near Crockwell, County Galway. I made contact with our then resident studio engineer, Keith MacDonald, about engineering the album. He was free and up for it, and I made a plan in the best possible way to achieve our objective. Given that we had multiple artists, we decided to create a house band, whereby the guest singers could come in rehearse and record all in one day and make way for the next one. We figured that this was the most effective use of the time. It also meant that because of our time restraints, production had to be minimalist in approach. Our great friend Katrina Kniff, aka Trax, looked after everyone and cooked up delicious food every day. The house band was four full-time resident members. To keep the vibe of the music played around the funeral, Kelvin Busher simply had to be involved. He had been so supportive and so present at all times during this period. Kelvin plays double and electric bass, but is also a great singer and backing vocalist. The other three musicians came from Sharon's big band, Jason Duffy on drums, a really solid drummer whose influences ranged from Levon Helm to Jim Keltner, and so he could embrace all these genres of music. The legendary James Delaney was on piano and Hammond organ and long-time band member and friend Jack Maher on acoustic guitar. Jack is also a great singer and backing vocalist. Here is Jack singing Here Comes the Sun from the Songs for Leo album. Here comes the sun 
Here comes the sun And I said It's alright It's important to remember that while all this was going on, in a weird, cruel and strange twist of fate, Sharon's album, The Galway Girl, and the single recorded with Mundy, were both at number one in the Irish charts. In fact, both had gone to number one in or around the day that Leo died. So, as you can imagine, there was huge demand from media, promoters, booking agents for Sharon and for her time. However, we went a completely different direction and Sharon withdrew from public life for the next two months. For the recording of the album, drums were recorded with mics on the kick, snare and two overhead mics, a little bit like the way recordings were done in the early 60s. All instruments and vocals were recorded flat and with the lead vocals all going down at the same time as the other instruments. Pretty much all the overdubs with just an extra guitar from Jack Marr, some of the backing vocals and Sharon's parts. Compared to the production of a usual Sharon album, this was a very different approach, which suited both the music 
and the whole vibe of the project. We were trying to record the music as close to live as possible. Also different was Sharon's role. This was not a usual Sharon Shannon album, but an album of the songs performed by other people and chosen by Sharon in honour of Leo. It was a work of love by Sharon and her friends. And so Sharon, instead of being the main focus, directed the project with an intensity of spirit and determination that was second to none. As the recording went on, I could feel her drawing on the resources of courage and strength and he knew that she would emerge okay from her grief. Keith and I allowed ourselves three songs a day to mix, which was a bit of a challenge. But again, with this particular approach, no EQ on anything, minimum dynamic intervention with compression and minimum use of effects, this was the way we set about it. This time was really also a spiritual break from reality. The weather was great, I slept in a tent for the recording period and, as I recall, we ate most of our meals on a long table out on the lawn. There was also some really great crack. Even at the most awful of times, it was hard to subdue the spirits of some of the great characters involved in this recording. However, most of the crack was generally provided by Gaffo, a black Labrador, one of Sharon's many dogs, who would follow sticks thrown from all day and night and was the focus of everyone's attention when they arrived on the property. Gaffo was the best grief bereavement counsellor ever. I think the icing on the cake for me of the whole recording, which came very late in the day in the form of the incredible American singer Aoife O'Donovan from the great band called Crooked Still. Aoife brought the emotion contained in the album to a whole new level. I recall her singing on the reprise of a track, A Thing Called Love, and Sharon and I and Keith were rooted to the spot in the control room, with shivers down our spines and the hair standing on the back of our necks. After that, we decided to include A Thing Called Love in the title of the album. So the full album, with this new title, A Thing Called Love, Songs for Leo, was completed on schedule and Sharon distributed the hundred physical copies to all her friends and family and the family and friends of the Healy's. Sharon eventually returned to public appearances, albeit at a much scaled down rate, with the show at the National Concert Hall in Dublin in late June 2008. Fast forward to May 2020. In the middle of lockdown, Sharon rang me and told me that she had been listening a lot to the Songs for Leo album in recent times, especially around the time of Leo's 12th anniversary, the 7th of May, 2020. She said how much she loved the album and that as well as thinking about Leo, that she was thinking about all the families who were grieving the loss of loved ones during the COVID-19 pandemic. And she was saying that it was a bit of a pity that the general public had never heard the uplifting and beautifully soothing music on the album. So, for the first time in 12 years, she suggested that we release songs for Leo to the public via a suitable charity. Up to now, the album had been heard by little more than a hundred people. So, we decided to release the album during these very sad times in the hope that it might help heal people who have suffered loss during this awful pandemic and help them to emerge from this current shock and trauma, just like it had helped Sharon. Together with the Healy family, 
we decided to make the beneficiary Rosabelle's Rooms, a Galway-based charity under the umbrella of the Irish Hospice Foundation. It was founded by Suzanne McLean and Gary Monroe after the sudden death of their beloved daughter Rosabelle, who died at the age of 15 months. The charity provides supports to grieving families after the death of a child and provides grief counselling and lots of other help. This is the reprise of A Thing Called Love, sung by Eva O'Donovan and Greg Cotter. Rule the heart of any man A thing called love 